Hey everybody, um, this one's a little dated. We recorded this a while ago, but I didn't get around to editing it until now. So, I'm just going to post it anyway. I was going to just put it on the Patreon, but I don't like putting stuff behind a paywall. So I'm going to put it out to the general public. Um, if you want to hear like a dated conversation on Epstein and the DSA convention and shit like that, Continue to listen on and enjoy. Otherwise, uh, just skip ahead to the next one because we got some good stuff coming up. I don't want to see anything in the comments or getting fucking emails where people are like, "Oh, this is dated." Like, we're, we're, get on the get on the ball. Um, this is a bonus episode. It's a bonus. Um, if a bonus isn't a lot of money, I mean, if, if a bonus is a lot of money at work, you should be pissed. But if it's bonus content on a fucking SoundCloud. You have no right to be pissed. Okay? You're not my god, my father, or my boss. You're not the boss of me. I'll put I'll put out whatever quality level content stuff I want. Okay, bye. Okay, so before we get to the main thing that we're here to talk about, I... Sw- I I feel we would be a little bit remiss, I feel like, if we just didn't talk about the Epstein thing a little bit. I don't think we're going to have any, like, super original or takes on this, but it is kind of, it's kind of a big thing, because I feel like it's, like, this is conspiracy stuff that's kind of broken through into mainstream in a way that something hasn't, I don't know, maybe since Kennedy? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's interesting, like, the worst... The worst thing I saw, but I, I I don't know, kind of understood, like, I understood, like, a kernel of it that kind of made sense to me. Uh, Bhaskar Sankara basically tweeted something to the effect of, um, there's, like, a 2% chance there was foul play here. Uh, this is symptomatic of, like, the lack of healthcare in the prison system or some shit like that. Which is, I mean, everyone's saying he's a Fed now, which, I mean, I there's pro- that's probably based on more than just that, but it's it's an, it's a nuclear take. For a variety of reasons, one to say that there's like a two percent chance of foul play in this is just completely insane to me. But on another level, I can understand being concerned that the left might put all of its chips in on Epstein speculation. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing is I I don't think it's crazy to find the whole thing comically suspicious. But one thing I felt strange about, I suppose, was going on my timeline. And nobody believed that the person who just the person who just got made into the symbol of ruling class sex abuse and who probably believes themselves that they would be assassinated at some point and who is kind of widely viewed as a monster might want to commit suicide. It was a bit chilling to see nobody. Actually, yeah, it was Bhaskar Sankara and Chris Cutrone on my timeline. That were like, you know, let's not be conspiracists here. And everyone else was like, yeah, imagine how surprised he, you know, Jeffrey Epstein was when <laughs> to find out he was going to Which part, part of that is that it memes well, right? Like, I think most people yes. probably do. Deep in their hearts, you know, most people probably think, you know, there's a chance it was this, there's a chance it was that. But, uh. Um, oh, for sure. But you know, yeah, you have to, you have to Occam's Razor this shit a little bit. You, you know, I, I mean. It's. 
Yeah, well, there's a mixture of people. You who can are easily like, have guards what, who just kind I, of are they, they, are you know paid off to be or intentionally well, no, he, because of moral stuff negligent, so to speak. Here's here's but here's what's, the thing that is actually fishy about that though is that he is like an extremely high profile like this yeah. is trial of the century shit. And he was under 24-hour video surveillance, and somehow the video went down. That, well, I heard died. that they like took Hitman. him off of Suicide Watch. But he no, but he was under surveillance oh, wow. though. Like they were watching him. Like he was still being okay. Watched. So I I don't know. But I haven't heard about the surveillance stuff. But yeah, that's, obvious. that's obviously that's fishy. Yeah. Like you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say like this is the most clear cut case of suicide that's ever happened. Well, I, I I just thought you know. No, no, no. We, one one should consider well, yeah, that well, that's maybe here's, here's what you... happened. <laughs> Here, well, here's what you want to avoid. You want to avoid the like the more pathological, pathological aspects of conspiracy mongering. Um, that that like the one thing that does, did kind of sketch me out because I was listening. I, I was listening to like the uh, True Anon like uh, Piss Pig uh, Brace podcast, and on it like he talks about how he is like a 9/11 truther and stuff like yeah. So he like he seems to actually really go deep on conspiracy. But what you want to avoid with conspiracy stuff is like the pathological aspect where you believe that if we can just find the smoking gun if we can just prove that bush did 9-11 we can stop the war on terror if we can just prove that kennedy was killed by the deep state we can you know get people to look they found the panama papers and capitalism is still there so Mm -hmm. you're not gonna like right this one trick debunks the ruling class you know well, and there have been periods where majorities of people believe that Candy was killed by the government and they didn't do shit about it. You know, if anything, pe- things got more reactionary during that, yeah. during those periods. There's a great, so, yeah. Like, this is, this is a... just, this is just as apt to, like, demoralize people and just make them even more Well, and also, why, it, it, it's it strange else. to me how it just automatically plugs into the most conspiracy thing possible. So it's got to be a cabal of capitalists instead of, you know... Why wouldn't it be one individual bourgeois actor who wanted him dead? You know, like, it's 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 got to be, you know, the Clintons, the fucking most crazy thing possible. Everybody's in on it, you know, kind of thing. Well, I mean, so Acosta said that the reason that he didn't prosecute him harder was because somebody told him that he was a um, he was an intelligence asset and that it was above his pay grade. So it's possible that, you know, if, if I was going to guess it was somebody, I'd probably I'd say, like, Somebody acting on behalf of like CIA or Mossad, who he was, who we potentially may have had connections to. Oh, gee. Um, that I mean, what? No, because no, I'm serious. Because like it, if he if he was because okay, so I read an article in New York Magazine where they were talking like to some financiers who were trying to figure out how this guy was making his money, and they concluded that yeah, this guy's either running a Ponzi scheme or a blackmail mm-hmm. ring because he doesn't have as many he doesn't have as many employees as he says he does. And he isn't trading with anybody of note. And somehow he made all his money on quietly on Wall Street, which you can't do. It's right, a, it's a very tight knit community that doesn't really happen that often. So it looks like some Madoff shit. So if he was running a blackmail ring, it only made. It, and if he was blackmailing like very influential, powerful people, it's only a matter of time before some intelligence agency, CIA, Mossad, somebody okay. gets away for what he's doing. And then at that point, like. They've kind of stumbled into a perfect situation because a lot of times when we get intelligence out of people is you they find you find out they did something fucked up and you lean on them with it, and he's got this hedge fund in quotes that they can dip into for black ops, right? And that's which is another like kind of standard procedure. So it could be you know again like if he 
if he was going to blow his connections to, you know, if, if people like found out that the CIA or somebody was basically just letting this go on, it was actually like actively knew about all of it and was using it to like control people. That's not a good look. Hey, well, I don't, so I don't think that that is what happened. But the CIA like admitted MK Ultra, and the CIA still exists. You know, they can get away with a lot. Yeah. That... Mm-hmm. Yeah. My point, like that. That's my current theory. But okay. Point is, right. I mean, I think like, the thing is, he, it's just I... as likely that even Epstein would buy into some of the conspiracism here, and um, and kind of think like, well, I'm a dead man walking. Might as well go out my own way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but how do you get the cameras to turn off? That's my. I, that's I my haven't question. read the cameras thing, but yeah, that would be uh, that ne- would be suspicious, of course. I'd never heard of the camera thing. That does sound like something out of Hitman. Um, so if that's true, then that's highly suspicious. And of course, everything about this is highly suspicious. You know, well, you know, there's always the chance that some guards were just kind of like, "Hey, look, like if you want to off yourself, like." we won't intervene because you're kind of a non-human to me, right? So, fuck it. Yeah, I... Alright, I'm just gonna say this. I admire Bosco's... Bosco's Sankara's, like, robo-humanist like, response. <laughs> like, it was totally contrarian, but it was like, if you loaded Lieutenant Commander Data with, like, Marxist, humanist, like, principles, and you told him that, you know, someone that was, you know, clearly highly moral and corrupt, but somebody committed suicide in prison, he would give a response that was something along the lines of, you know, prisons, you know? Ah, let's talk about, you know, health, like, let's talk about mental conditions, you know, or mental health in prisons. Let's talk about health in prisons. Like, there's something so quaint and funny about it. Like, it didn't make me think that he's a fed, it made me think he's like a robot, or like a, you know, I don't know. He just didn't get the cognitive grasp of of the important thing that this guy, this like diddler, just like died under highly suspicious. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost like Ned Flanders or something, where he just fought, he just zeroes down yeah. like the most wholesome like aspect about this yeah. that he possibly can. Wash it down yeah, I see what you're saying. Whole milk. It's it's very. It was it's very, very bizarre. strange. It's um, yeah, it's like a I don't know Scott Pilgrim versus the World response. Yeah, but I, you know what's interesting, though, is, like, I kind of like, think of Sinkara as a hustler normally, but this yeah. isn't really what you would say to, like, make the left love you or whatever. No. You know? No, not at all. I mean, even AOC was calling for investigations. Right. <laughs> like well, he's, like he's to Trump, the right of AOC um, on Trump this. retweeted, Trump Good. just straight up retweeted something that... Im- implicated the clintons like trump just pretty much you know the yeah the, you know well, think about I, it the president I mean, I'm, of the I'm united states that, like, the well, yeah, president I mean, of the united states yeah. was like oh yeah bill <laughs> <laughs> fucking a well yeah i mean he, he probably doesn't even remember epstein like he probably doesn't even like he's literally sundown so i seriously doubt he even like has any memory like if, if they take him into court and ask him did he remember any, did he do anything he'll say no <laughs> he won't be lying because he won't remember anything have, like, bill clinton yeah. Bill Clinton hasn't abused anyone because Bill Clinton lost the memory of it. Exactly. Well, anyway, the, the the point I was saying here is, you know, you don't want to fall into this kind of constantly chasing the smoking gun and so forth. I think what what socialists, what communists can take from this is just to kind of, yeah, you know, point out the decadence of the ruling elites and 
you know, just tell people, yeah, it is actually that fucked up, and we have to, you know, we have to actually change yeah. it. We don't actually have anything you know, I don't substantiated th- to say that more, you know, there's, there's not, it's not like there's some study that says, okay, here's the proof that the ruling class does more child sex abuse than the upper middle class or the middle class or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be careful even with these kind of degenerate ruling class kind of narratives. Okay, for sure, too. for sure, because the, the degenerate stuff, fine. But what we do have to point out is when it happens, the ruling class can they insulate get a, they get away itself with it. better. Like, so much that, That's better. the thing. Like, you can't yeah. even believe It's not... The the kernel of truth to Pizzagate is not that there's some, like, fucking conspiracy of, like, every bourgeois is a pedophile. Because, honest to God, like, pedophilia is rare in human beings. Um, it just... It's not kind of the default whatever but um if you are a ruling class pedophile and you get caught you're more likely to get away with it is really i think that the kernel i do think there is something like path there is something like pathological in the behavior of the people who rise to the top of these Mm. systems though that might make them more prone to like exploiting Mm -hmm. people sexually uh, whether it's whether it's kids, or I not. think that some of them, but some I mean, of them also. I mean, capitalism also rewards being like, you know, at least the presentation of being affable and all that bullshit. Yeah, but American Psycho is a thing. Like, there's nothing about keeping up an affable like and pro-social appearance that's incompatible with being a ruthlessly instrumental and exploitative person. Like, all of his coworkers hate him. I mean, though. look at look yeah, look at like Clinton. Clinton is a he seems like you want he'd be fine at the barbecue, but we know the dude's a fucking right. rapist. You know, uh, fucking even Obama is like yeah, everyone liked him because he seemed cool and he was like he was like a cool black friend. But he he drone he had like every Tuesday was it like every Tuesday he would select had his kill list of people to be drone bombed. Yeah. You know. No, the thing is, I mean, just the, I mean the Epstein thing. I think that if you can tie it into the, these broader institutions and show that this was systemic and this is like more widespread amongst the elites, the the value out of that is it basically further it further uh, delegitimizes like these institutions and these people. You know, it's I mean it's really hard to point to these people because you know, oh, there's so much like bourgeois propaganda is like <laughs> points at Elon Musk or Steve Jobs and these people are the leaders of our society and they just work so hard to get where they are and they're just they just want to raise us up and give us jobs but if it's like oh actually they're, they literally just have conveyor belts that they use to like molest women like that's, <laughs> that's it's much harder for them to like posit themselves as like these liberal like captains of society and great yeah, citizens like, you know I want to believe that delegitimizing these institutions further is going to work. But the ruling ideology relies on the dearth of options and the impossibility of imagining anything else and, you know, just the, the no alternativeness of it, more so than it does rely on, you know, credibility. Like, and, and also, that's... I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't think it's unimaginable that capitalism can be, you know, intersectional, feminist, whatever. I mean, it's just... You know, you. What do you mean? You like, have. How, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you. You know, I mean, you, pretty progressive gender politics and all of that walks the halls of pretty much every NATO power in existence. It's it's not like anti-abuse ideology is innately anti-capitalistic or something okay. like that. Okay. Yeah. No, I can see that. There's only one acceptable kind of exploitation, and it's wage labor. 
Okay. I got it. So anyway, yeah, I do feel like this will just kind of... I feel like this is going to have more explosive results. It it will it will pop up in ways that people don't expect. You know, I think, again, along with, for instance, like the war on terror or uh, the 2008 financial crisis, you know, the, the capitalist class continues to defer responsibility for its actions and kind of kick things down the road. But sooner or later, there's going to be consequences for that. And, you know, I guess it's up to it's up to the socialist left. It's up to communists to create the basis for which they answer for that in a way that, you know, improves, you know, basically improves the, the, the lives of the working class and doesn't, you know, result in the mutual ruin of all mm-hmm. the contending classes. Right. Um, but I yeah, I don't know if there's like an immediate there's I don't think I think we should be hate we should be skeptical of the idea that there's like going to be an immediate political payout if we prove that this is what happened. Uh, but, but I think we should still point to this and, you know, sort of call for further investigations. And I mean, based on I think you could make a pretty good case that there was conspiracy stuff going on here based upon the evidence that we've seen thus far. And the fact that there's going to be very little transparency, I feel like, going forward, especially around. I don't, I don't think we're ever really going to find out what happened and how he died. You know, the, this, this will probably be a limited hangout kind of situation. Where like Alan Dershowitz and maybe a few other people oh, fall on the sword. And, Look, uh, hey, if, I, I don't. I'm pretty skeptical of conspiracism around this, but if we can get Dershowitz on the sword, oh yeah, I'm happy. We must, we must that avenge nice. Norm Finkelstein. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking of. I'm just looking out for Norm at this point. Me too. Me too. Um. Oh. Okay. We had the robo uh, humanist Marxist response. I want to load up a robo-anti-humanist Marxist response, okay? Um, which is, is another thing that doesn't engage with the moral gravity of what's happening. I recognize that. But it's also something that, I don't know, I didn't see it online. If, if I did see it online, I probably think it would be pretty tedious. But here it is. That here we have, basically, yes, we have a popularization of socialist thought. We have in, you know, Finally, in the United States, you know, we have, like, a bunch of Marxists that are trying to think things through. And, all right, so we have this popularization of Marxist theory and and of, of socialist practice, you know, people trying to get out there. Um, and, you know, you have something that's admittedly a sketchy situation. Um, and, like, what happens here? What happens from here? Is it that we're going to see the structural anti-Semitism thing crop up where even Marxists in America are not going to be able to grapple with the broader forces of things? And they're going to get obsessed with these smaller, uh, I mean, a pedophile ring, it sounds really cruel to say it's smaller. It's pretty, pretty horrible, like real thing, especially such an elite network. But like, you know, this is one of the emergent dynamics of, of, capitalist social life like figure out kind of what jake is getting at about how markets can be a selection mechanism for these sorts of things more so than like the full-scale moral panic conspiracist response that i kind of see unfolding and i just never want to believe that like we're kind of too uh, we're too limited by our, like, human, like, field of vision 
to deal with broad structural forces and that we're always going to end up doing politics about, you know, corrupt parasitic agents. And, you know, like, there's a Marxist hope that we can get beyond that in some way. Um, and I don't know. Well, I think, I, th- I think what aggravates people so much about the Epstein situation is, especially if they did kill him, is just how <laughs> sort of blatant yeah. that is. And, and you know, it really is just, yeah. it, it's sort of, again, it's kind of like the bank bailout. It's like, we're just going to basically fuck you over and you can't do anything. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's truly unjust. You know? I think that I think that's what I think that's what maddens people, um, and I think that another problem I think another oh the part of the reason you get, like conspiracy thought around stuff like this is oftentimes like the sort of mythologies that develop around these things do it, do re- sort of reveal repressed truths like for instance like the whole nine eleven thing it like the hidden truth of like the idea of like Bush did nine eleven was that that you couldn't really discuss in public life at the time was that the Bush administration did benefit tremendously from 9-11 and it would have been in the interest of their advancing their agenda for them to do something like that on purpose. Yeah. Right. Um, and that the, and that the war on terror was not really structured as a way to address the tragedy of 9-11. It was really just to advance the interests of the American imperial. A functional explanation kind of gone you know, gone very speculative. Yeah. And and things become speculative because we often don't have access to all the information. It's, it's like we have access to, to too little information and too much. There's so much stuff that's kind of floating around the internet, like pieces of things and like people collect in the media or that they find through rumors and this and that. But maybe like the actual, like deep, especially with something like this, the actual deep answers are probably only like no one amongst like a handful of people, maybe on a hard drive somewhere, you know, in the in some NSA facility in Nevada or somewhere, you know, like we don't like it's because there is this kind of there is this you can almost say like there are these there's these black boxes, these areas that we can't really get access to the real information. Like we still don't know who killed Kennedy. And there was an article recently where Trump basically said like I was going to reveal who killed Kennedy or I was going to reveal all the Kennedy files, but I I have no choice. I can't. <laughs> So when there what when there is that kind of lack of information, there isn't that transparency. Yeah, people are going to start speculating, and I think the path- pathological thing is you try and maybe like speculate your like you you have something you have a you get into sort of like pathological science. You know, you get into I feel like this must be true, so mm-hmm. I need to throw everything that I can to you know. You, you see what I'm yeah, saying? Like yeah. you're not really following the evidence, and it's and you you're maddened by the fact that you don't know all the evidence, even though all the evidence is out the there somewhere. Out there. You know. Yeah, we come back to the X Files. Um, so, but I don't. I mean, the thing is, though, I don't know if this is going to be like a permanent fit. This, this kind of like maybe the. I wouldn't say there's like. I mean, yeah, there is structural anti-Semitism with this, but no more than there is on anything else that pops up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's there's structural anti-Semitism all over the place. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. that it will be a more prominent because of this in any meaningful sense. Mostly because everything just kind of moves on to the next thing. Right, you know, and that's mm. that's the real danger of this. That everyone's just kind of like, remember that uh, journalist, like the Saudis killed. Oh yeah, yeah. Like just was it last year? And it's like okay, well that's fucked up. On to the next thing. What's what else we got? Yeah, right. I mean, the media itself rarely kind of follows up on these things. Like, oh, what what's going on with that thing? <laughs> you know, it is very much on to the next yeah. spectacle. Um, but also, you know, if you um, if you reveal to people, right 
that, oh, guess what? Politicians do bad shit. You know, their response isn't going to be rise the, f- like, rise the fuck up. Their response is going to be, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where we're at. Is, is, you know, like, there was a UK, in the UK, there was a huge, uh, there were huge sex abuse scandals that came out about, you know, the elite and Jimmy what have Seville. you. Yeah, yeah, people like that. Yeah. And the response was, oh, I guess we're ruled by a bunch of pedos, huh? Like, kind of just shrug like, that makes sense, doesn't it? More so than, um, this one neat trick will dissolve the ruling class is legitimacy. You know, I, I think that's a more yeah, secular so, decline over time. Well, so, all right, I'm, I'm more concerned about it among, like, I guess Marxists than I am among the general population. That's what I'll say. No, I agree with that, Lexi. I, I think there's, like, um, we, I think it goes back to what Jake said at the beginning, which is there's, there's a couple things, there's a few things that could have happened here. And I don't think we want to put all of our chips in the, like, ruling class cabal basket, necessarily. You know, even though there there is there is something kind of suspicious about it all, for sure. But it's, um... But I will say this. Like, the predatory the predatory nature of, like, elite, sexu- <laughs> elite sexuality, the sexuality of the capitalists, or anybody who has, like, power. That's not... Everybody knows that. You know what I mean? At very least, um, they can get away with what they, you know, even if there were if there were equal rates among every social class, that the people who'd be punished for it would be proletarians, and the people who wouldn't would be capitalists. But but here's the thing, though, like it's it's kind of in light of the Me Too movement that this stuff is actually becoming questioned because yeah, the exactly. Whole, like this, no, this like this shit was completely normalized before. You know what I mean? Like, wasn't there? I'm trying to remember what it was on. I feel like it was, I think Toy Story 2 had like an outtake where um, the prospector guy is talking to some Barbie dolls and basically implied that they should visit him in his trailer if they want to get a part in a movie. In, Whoa, in Toy Story wow. 3, yeah, that's that's an outtake in no, there, yeah. That, no, was, no, I'm I think saying he says, no, the, the clip is he goes like, oh, you want a part in Toy Story 3? Come to my trailer, yeah. Yeah, and so they like they took that out recently, but like it it was like it was in fucking kids movies back then. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, but it's interesting that this hits this hits Hollywood, and then with the political class, it kind of fizzles out, right? Like you don't see that many high figured government people going down. Like you know, even whatever happened to fucking Al Franken or whatever, not not as big as what's happening to your kind of and i mean we can discuss that but it's it's like um it doesn't seem to be touching that many politicians when when gillibrand went after um went after bill clinton she just kind of got like sidelined she'd be doing pretty well i think right now um or at least she'd have party she'd have more she'd be in maybe the kamala harris position of the clintonite wing supporting her if she hadn't tried to me too mm-hmm. bill you know but um yeah you, you still can't do that yeah, for real. it, it, it kind of limits itself at these cultural figures with me too i i just sort of get my inner like valerie solanus out here because I, I think that we are dealing with a much longer term problem than capitalism like i i do think that most people aren't pedophiles but i think it's like like i don't know um you know 
but men the thing are pretty is, predatory. Like, <laughs> I, I would argue, men are predatory in a lot of contexts. I would argue that the specifics of gender always conform to reproduce the current mode of production, even if there's privileging that's transhistorical or something like that. I mean, it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course, of course, It doesn't work in a rote like femme good mass, but it, but it ends up kind of way. But it ends up like plugging into the contemporary sort of like you know matrix of capitalist relations and gender relations, and there's fairly liberal points about you know pay gaps and that sort of thing that you could probably associate. You know, we could pretty, we can pretty. What's the word? We can understand these things as like the effect of the mark of someone who's expected to be a reproductive laborer. It, you know, like people that could get pregnant you know, or bear the mark of someone that could get pregnant potentially or is otherwise unstable for gender reasons that aren't there. You're not going to be able to rely on them as workers. You know, what if they decide to do some weird gender thing, like have a baby or transition? Like, that's not reliable. <laughs> right, but you, um, you have countries like Germany today that have pretty pretty um, advanced uh, pay-leave type stuff in place. And I, I, I just don't know that... I don't th know that these that's kind of the feminist, exception. I don't know that these feminist perspectives aren't integratable, really. Well, I conject, okay? I, I, I kind of... I would say that... Like corporate people actually like, take diversity seriously. I mean, it's not just no, no. You're 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 totally right. But that's but like there's what you might call combined and uneven development. And yes, at, at the corporate level, you might actually get something more than like camouflage for patriarchy. You might get some genuine, you know, gender relation changes. But like in a lot of situations, you don't get the best that capitalism can offer. It's like healthcare or something. Yes, at its apex. Oh my god, capitalism has just done incredible things, almost transcending, you know, some of the basics of the human condition. Jesus, wow. At, but like at its worst, I mean, you know, you end up reproducing like some really harsh dynamics. Like those things aren't like totally gone. Those sure. like where there's social neglect, like things, you know, can revert pretty pretty in a pretty raw way. I don't know, but then that um, that kind of suggests the opposite of the the thesis, right? Like of you know ruling class, predatory, whatever. Like you know, oh, the immiseration oh, kind of. I I'm much more in that in this camp, and I think we need to ask some like hard truths about how like you know you know some like economically like you know vulnerable men, like you know like a lot of pro dudes, like. What do they do with all their frustration about their fucking life of, of, you know, kind of being like disempowered? Some of them do take it out on women. Like, it's not, it's, it's not, a not unheard of. Right. Like, I, I would worry, though, about, uh, like, abstracting, uh, too much of the, like, mm -hmm. white male whatever figure. Because I, I think that's become. An, I didn't say white. I know, I know. I'm just saying. I think that the, the, the abstract figure we're talking about has become overdetermined in a lot of ways right now. Whatever, like I, I hear you, but uh, but it's it's to, to it's the point that human like human subjectivity there's, there's like human subjectivity there's a lot of, like, gets there's taken a lot of deep out shit, of this. There's a lot of a lot of times, like 
you know, we get these very rote socialization narratives, these very rote kind of, um, it, we, I just think that I think we should be careful not to accidentally You're right. reinforce gender's we're, we're, ideas about the incommensurability of men and women. It's, it's about the, like, you can deny all you want that there's a difference in lived experience or something. Like, I, I don't think that you even mean to deny it. It's just that, like, there's a slider and there's two ends to the slider, socially speaking. Well, but the and problem is, the problem I'm, is, I'm, you I'm, a, I'm a non-binary person. I really want to live in a world beyond that. But, um, holy shit. It's, it, you know. Right. But the expectation that, you know, one, I think we end up with a contemporary feminism that just still pretty much says, you know, uh, women are from Venus, oh, men are from well, Mars, right? Li liberal, like, liberal feminism can't actually deal with this. And, the best they can do is make a positive difference feminism. Like, a, like a, okay, we're essentially different, but it's good. You know, instead of having, like, a, like, instead of maintaining what's, like, some kind of transhumanist, transfeminist, like, horizon or something where we can get real Deleuzian about this shit and, like, kind of restore, you know, something even beyond where primitive humanity was in terms of gender freedom. Like, well, yeah, I mean, we have, we have freedom to, we have to confront from polarity in our society. Freedom from gender and rather than societies. freedom of gender would be the goal, really. Yeah, I mean, it requires defining our terms. Like, what does freedom from gender mean? But, like, yeah, I don't, I don't see a reason why not. Why we can't, uh, why we can't conceive of things in that way. There are going to be some people that insist on calling their their freedom from gender, you know, they like the word gender and they're going to refer to it as their their gender is very important to me. I like my gender expression. They're not going to be able to hear you say freedom from gender. But I know what you mean, you know? Like I feel that. Well, freedom That's from the these, way I see it. Freedom from these abstract like, categorizations and this being the kind of fundamental metric of how you're evaluated as a human being, you know, whatever your well, biology. For, in or, in order for those metrics to disappear, the social phenomenon beneath it would have to disappear. And so the left, the left, like, mo like, like, like liberals, like a lot of people, they can pay lip service to how deep and grievous social problems are and how radical we have to be to confront them. But they can't actually pull the trigger. So they're kind of forced to watch things unfold. And they can only really answer with moral hysteria. <laughs> hysteria, excuse me. Pardon my what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Could you give me a more concrete example? Like, what are you talking about? Well, it's it's kind of like you know, I, like to make a, a really you know, like a big like uh, just making an abstract jump, right? It's like um, you know, critiques of of structural racism. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a, a persistent problem that we keep running into, enormous social problem. Um, what like what options do you have as an individual? to confront structural racism. It's it's a very similar problem to just being a communist, really. Right? Like Well, you can't confront any of this stuff as an individual. That's the point. Yeah. Right. You need a a big collective thing that we also for some reason can't whip up out of out of will, out of our will. And part of the problem are these social divisions that keep popping up when we try to do unity. And like the you know, 
A basic point of historical materialism is, you know, when these things, pop, the big social cleavage pops up, you have to kind of embrace, like, you know, like, to a degree, an antagonism and class struggle, right? Like, that doesn't mean, you know, in every single social antagonism you find, you have to uh, do what you do in class struggle. But, like, I think you'll find, you know, in race and in gender that, like, there's enough in common with, like, class struggle where it makes sense. Yes, we all want freedom beyond these things. But, like, yeah, you start constructing a, you know, a pro-woman, a pro-pole, a pro, like, you know, person of color politic or something. Like, it's inevitable. You have to reify it a little bit because of the social cleavage that exists. I would argue, like, though, I would argue, though, that is actually the unfreedom that the so-called oppressor classes face that puts them in their oppressor position um oh, yeah. more so than a yeah. freedom to do whatever they want i would say with 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 yeah. men yeah, yeah, yeah. with men with white people with whatever that it's it's not that they're so free to do whatever they want and that's why they exploit people it's actually that the conditions of of unfreedom on both sides create the oppressor yeah. dynamic like but yes, and you have to admit the short-term benefits. Like, and if those short-term benefits weren't there, the whole dynamic wouldn't work. So, yeah, we ultimately, like, as, as communists, you gotta agree that in the long term, this is some kind of suicide. Yeah, your trait, you have some kind of libidinal sadistic drill now, but, you know, we're gonna be fucking drowning in 30 years, asshole. Like, Thanks for bl blowing up the class struggle with the, you know, grabbing your, you know, comrade's ass or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, there, there's a thing that, like, you know, Adam, Adam Curtis harps on in a lot of his work. The sort of creation of the individual and how that was, that's kind of like the thing, the real way that, like, the neoliberal era has really fucked us, right? Because, and I think it creates a, like, I think one of the problems is, and I think it kind of also relates to, I think what someone on this podcast once called like organizational materialism or, you know, the science of like organization. I think a lot of people, they, they can't, like as Adam Curse would say, like give themselves up to something bigger than them. They go to like, they go to these organizations with the idea of like, well, how can I get my, how can I, it's, they have like an idea of something that they want to see happen in like a movement. And rather than like assess the realistic prospects for it's actually being implemented, they get the organization to just kind of commit to it in the abstract. And then the organization is running in a million different directions and then never does anything in particular. Right. It's because they want it because I got to get my little project here instead of like just maybe going along with something that I'm not like a hundred percent for, but actually maybe this organization has the capacity to actually do right. So I think there's there's everyone 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 or the way that like people like you, you saw some of this at like the last like DSA convention where like some people were like everyone wants their little moment you know what I mean and it's it, you're just being disruptive like this isn't about you sit your ass down <laughs> you know and that's that is that is a product of like the particular like subjectivity and form of individualism that has kind of been fostered by late capitalism certainly that and also um identity categories tend to flare up in a particular way when there's something about the underlying the underlying kind of like social dynamic that led to 
a, like a certain easy way of essentializing about them is being attacked. You know what I mean? That like, so like all, for instance, like being trans, for instance, like, which is a second order identity. It's kind of weird like that, but you know, bear with me. Like I'm constantly confronted with, uh, trans people online nowadays in a way that implicitly makes me see them as like competition rather than if I had encountered trans people like earlier in my life, you know what I mean? Like before, like I, you know, was super internet and plugged in, like, you know, if you just kind of, if you're, you know, queer and there's not like a lot of queer people around, like it's, you know, it might be a little awkward. You might be coming at it from different thing, but like, you know, there's like a kind of assumed sense of shared experience. And, you know, usually there's like enough, there's enough for like at least a good conversation there. (laughs) And if you don't relate to a lot of people, that might be big. Um, and it's when those bonds become like more like under attack in a way that, and, and so you can't like essentialize in the same way about them, um, that they kind of get an afterlife in, um, certain kinds of, you know, liberal and radical politics. I, I mean, you could see this with a uh, class identity, like, like the way, um, class identity like, there's a sort of, like, a dying, like, flare-up when the workers' movement goes out. And, like, um, in, uh, like, a lot of, like, 80s, uh, a lot of, like, 80s, like, post-punk, like, has this vibe of, like, you know, the death of the worker or something. Gosh, speaking of the worker, though, all this culture warring you see about, you know, are we... Are we going to be the identity politics left or the anti-identity politics left? You know, this kind of this kind of back and forth around the DSA convention. It's like, really, do you guys really think that if if DSA was like doing things right, however you think it is on that issue, like all of a sudden it would be this engine of class struggle and not like middle class Brooklyn kids? Because I, I don't know that that's the case necessarily that like we should be this invested in the success of the progressive faction of the Democratic Party. Is that that important? I mean, I'm gonna do, all right, time time for me to stand DSA. Here we go. Go for it. I, I've, no, seen, I mean, I've been seeing this coming. It's cool. It's your it hill. Makes sense, actually. I mean, for, first of all, I mean, like, overall, like, the stupid shit that was, the, that was basically put up didn't pass anyway. And I mean, people, people did laugh at, like, some of the, some of the video clips that, like, came out or whatever. But honestly, like... I, it could have been way worse. <laughs> like I've, I've seen it be way oh, fucking no, worse. Oh no, me too. But that's my point: is that is that regardless of if people are overreacting to the identity politics stuff, which I think there is a re- there is a reactionary thing where people are going like, oh well, this isn't politically useful that people are like this or whatever, you know. And I, it's just shut up. But I I think that um, I guess what I'm saying is you want to look at the class content of things as as a marxian right like what is the class content of dsa oh god i mean you I know mean, do, we, do, do we do we do we have the, do we have the numbers on like what the uh what the class makeup of the organization actually is though do we actually know we don't have hard stats um so i suppose that could be an open and shut case there however i think the the three of us have the relevant experience to maybe make a reasonable inference about what, you know, the class composition of the DSA is. No? 
I mean, maybe. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you could get the impression from podcasts that it's like in basically a weird like cult that sprung up out of Brooklyn, like a like white, um, you know, PB gentrifying version of the Nation of Islam or something. I mean, yeah, you could you well, could I mean, describe at, it as that. At but... fucking 50,000 or whatever members. Right. Like there were there were splits in, you know, early 20th century communist parties where 100,000 workers would go from one to the other. You know, and th- and so this is the consolidation of left forces in the United States, and you've got fifty thousand people, and I imagine it's not majority proletarian. Yeah, I mean, I mean that sucks. I mean, you know, and you just think that if 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 there were serious Marxists like involved in the organization, wouldn't it be a question of where is class activity? Why why wouldn't they be actually addressing that head on, right? Than well, I think, talking I think about they're actually trying like, to like move things in that direction. Let's, I mean, you know, charge at the latest thing is is what seems to be the strategy. To there, me. like, I don't, I don't know enough about it, but there are forces in the DSA that are trying to do this, whether they're doing it successfully or not. Yeah, it is actually moving left. I think, I think, uh, and I don't have it in front of me, but I, the last stuff I read about the convention was. Like yes, there were there was endorsing Bernie, but they were also trying to create like minimal conditions for endorsing candidates, which I think is actually a step in a positive direction. Um, and there are efforts towards like maybe a shift towards putting more resources into like actual labor organizing. Well, and they uh, you know like, the, the thing with the the requirements for candidates, I mean they they stand AOC so hard, and then uh, the squad is not even as insurgent on the Democratic Party as the Tea Party was on the GOP. Like the the, yeah. the AOC squad yeah, is more tepid is and more respectful of party leadership than the Republican Tea Party was, which is just sad. Yeah, to yeah, me. Th- yeah. That, yeah that sucks. It's it's maddening and it's bad and it's exactly what you would expect out of like you know justice Democrats, essentially. Like, and I don't know. Like, I I'm totally for seeing the DSA become like a principled like you know Euro-communist um, party or whatever like if that's what they want to do like I think like like Jake said you know with the the minimum sort of like they're gonna have like some kind of like minimum like standard for endorsing candidates or whatever and if they're, and if they're turning towards labor in the way that they are gonna turn towards labor because if you're really if there's, I'm going to say serious in quotes, but if you're really serious about labor, you don't actually tend to do things that are like, like, you know, on the ground, rank and vile, like labor organizing. Like a lot of, like the way th- things are done in labor unions, the big labor unions, the ones that like, you know, are there in society, like that we can't necessarily just build red unions around and circumvent. Like, um, they're you know they're pretty business union oriented, right? Like, maybe maybe we not... can have a labor movement if you had unions to organize workers against their unions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that basically the rank and file strategy? I mean, yeah, th- that is the rank and file strategy where the unions are, like, and um, but you know, we need we need unions. <laughs> I, I just think <laughs> like that we, you know we need more. Like, if, if you've got DSA people sitting around, <clears> like, how do we make the labor movement happen again? There's a fundamental rot and inertia in the workers' movement that's not being addressed. I mean, you know, Marx and Engels noticed yeah. the League of the Just, which became the Communist League, which they wrote the manifesto for. They noticed it because there were workers involved. They didn't go pamphleting to get workers to join. 
they well, but wasn't you, like you gotta understand though like wasn't the guy also Marx's neighbor though like he was down the hall <laughs> but like and in, in, in another to respond in another way you gotta understand there's like a bunch of like commune people in DSA now there's a lot of people who have processed the death of the workers movement like that are in DSA now it's, it's, life is weird like they tend to you know they tend to be base building you know like, they tend to want to turn towards proletariat as it exists today in a way that's sort of new lefty and, like, Saul Alinsky-ish. But, like, at least, you know, I, I see where they're going with this. Like, um, I'm not, I don't, like, I do think, like, nonprofits can do a lot of that stuff without the baggage in a way that's more acceptable to capitalist society. But there are places where those nonprofits are not operating that, you know, you might find an opening. Now, what, what, you know, people that are on the left are going to do with that opening, you know. I know where the Democratic Party people in the DSA, I know what they want me to do. I don't know what, you know, the commune crowd in DSA actually wants me to do. Right. I mean, you know I tend I mean? to think, with like, base building, I tend to think, like, you know, if you're really taking... If you're really putting this stuff in your own life and you're not thinking of yourself as part of the base, in, in a way there's something wrong. But here's the thing. You have to build institutions to and frameworks to address these things. You can't address these things as an individual. Yeah. Yeah, you really... We, like, and... I don't know. <clears throat> I'm sympathetic to people, like, that are revisiting the dual power strategy in the positive, that want to, like, see dual power and are, like, looking for new organs, but also in the negative, people that think that we can't resuscitate it. Like, I'm glad that there's people looking into that, because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, here's Right now, thing, what like... we have are kind of spasmic movements every, you know, five years or so. Right. Uh, that, that's the, the that's real mass popular, you know, attempts at like attacking the problem, and that's what we got to work with. I mean, there needs there needs yeah there needs to be some kind of yeah we need to basically pool resources into some kind of common organization that can find the appropriate like point from which to attack begin attacking these problems and expanding right. That's that's what you need. That's that's the beginning. And we're not even at the beginning yet, which sucks because you know the climate's coming apart right underneath our th our feet. So what I'm th what I'm thinking is we need to basically marshal forces into some kind of project that can like reproduce itself and get its ideas out to a point so that somebody is posing an alternative to capitalism, because uh, like an egalitarian like forward thinking alternative, one that would manage things on the basis of like you know all life all human life having value. And not just like, you know, putting into like these like tribes of nation or race or whatever, because that's what's going to be the alternative, you know, as liberal capitalism completely continues to come apart on the tracks. Yeah, like liberal capitalism could do away with, you know, a, lo a lot of things about the modern world. But I do feel like nation, like nation statehood and that kind of thing will always be a problem as long as capitalism is around. and. Thinking about how that's going to interact with climate, yes, fairly devastating. Um, avoiding the short-termism of the the politics, like I'm kind of pleasantly surprised 
to see like more of a discussion about strategy in with regards to elections now. It's not, you know, where I would want it to be, of course. But like some people for some people it's on the table to like sit elections out and to rethink things. <laughs> Even big important elections like this one. Um like when I think of what the DSA signifies and what it could be, is that you know, like these are, these are essentially like this this specialists in a way, like people that are political specialists, right? Like it would it would be to our advantage to, to like try to figure out ways to get them to I don't know, kind of grapple with that. That you know, they're mostly not the class. Like I, I don't know, I don't, it's not like a, a shame thing, but like, and I guess there are people in there doing this. I just I don't know. Well, I almost feel like I have look, nothing though, to say about it because because it's okay. it's very. Del- I almost feel like I have nothing to say about it because when the people that tend to do it do the thing that I think you should do, it doesn't come out. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> like every you know all the things that I wanted to see implemented in like mass politics, like you know, ten years ago, are ba- you know. There, there is, like, you know, to the degree that, it's not really mass politics, to the degree that politics exists right now, like, the things that I wanted to see, like, ten years ago, it's totally there. There's, like, electoral channels for socialism, however vague. There's, um, you know, there are people that, reasonably in this society, like, there's gonna be, you know, the thing that survives is gonna be the thing associated, like, that's slightly parasitic on the big party, or that the parasitics party is parasitic on so it allows it to stay alive for a while and and it, that would end up getting some new breath and like and that would be a heterogeneous group and within it you would want to like convince people to adopt like a certain pro-social perspective so when you get the next uprisings or whatever they would have ways of intervening that weren't going to like sabotage it and or aren't going to like try to bottle it up in the ways that you know some political actors tend to or many most political actors tend to like but that would like you know kind of keep steal the flame so that we don't just get a fucking hashtag movement for like a month and then we're just stuck in dystopia for another five years like that's all i want that's all i want like and and i feel like inevitably the people that are trying to turn towards the class I mean, look, some of these, like, anti-identity politics fucking chuds are people that are, like, bent out of shape about managerial class stuff. And, like, they do actually feel a class resentment. It's, it's like, Sorellian class resentment. It, like, basically ends up cutting in a reactionary direction a lot of the time. But it's not, like, not, you know, it's not like they have no, like, class, like... I don't know. I think that, I think that it's a very, like, hello, fellow workers, like... Grab a grab a PBR with me, kind of thing with the anti-identity politics thing. So I, I think both sides yeah, of those yeah, culture yeah, yeah. war is fucked up and stupid. But um, it's no, just, no, no, no. I mean, it's called well, stupid, Paul. I mean, it is stupid. Well, you know, what, it just, what the it fuck just do you seems think to I'm me saying? like they're they're like, like I'm, very. I'm, I have sympathy for the devil here. I have sympathy for the devil. I mean, no, just... I mean, no, yeah. I mean, look. Here's the thing. The problem is, I'm just gonna say it right now. Fucking CIA is like weaponizing identity politics to like disrupt things. <laughs> <from the left. laughs> All right. No, that's fucking happened. I'm not saying anyone in particular, but that has fucking happened. Okay, like we, there's we all, no, we there's all know. No way co- that's, yeah, there's no way that's yeah. not happening. 
Like we all know about Cointel Pro, so we all there's we've all seen some completely batshit insane stuff. Yeah. That yeah. well, I would say you know, I would say at very least, like um, you know, Amazon probably noticed when people were saying stuff like the strike is ableist mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, and they yeah, probably yeah. have ways to algorithmically kind of encourage mm-hmm. that kind of thing and to signal boost voices no voices that are saying stuff like, oh yeah, the the Amazon strike, that's that's ableist. You know, there there's probably um some awareness at least, even whether the CIA or something is involved or not, there's some awareness in in corporate America that this stuff can be advantageous to them. Yeah, but... Alright, so just just to, like, elaborate what I was saying... Wait, I just got a um, CNN notification on my phone. Top secret teens. These are the high schoolers recruited by the National Security Agency. I swear, that was just as we were talking about this. What the fuck? Head turner, get off my dick. Um... (laughs) I I miss Ted Turner... You know, Ted Turner did like a, um, I think he, I think he was like behind like the blue, the laser disc release of like Cosmos and they had, they did like this interview with Sagan or whatever. And like, oh, I think very... he like remastered, he remastered it for TBS or whatever. Cause he loved it so much. Oh, that's very Ted nice. Turner was an interest, is an interesting. Yeah. Very sweet. They don't man. make him like Ted, they don't make him like Ted Turner anymore. <laughs> you know, and if I find uh, out Ted Turner was on those flight logs, I'm going to be real fucking, <laughs> I, then I'm really going to lose my shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's yeah, he's the Mister Rogers of, of billionaires. Um, <laughs> I would but, say that. I mean, but, well, I can't believe you're defending Ted Turner. Anyway, to go back to saying <laughs> nice things about stupid Paul. Um, no, like, yes, these people are pretty much batshit. Like, and and they're they're turning this like they're turning anti woke into their way of denying their own class position. But like, honestly, when people are doing the things that I think you that you should try to do. <clears throat> socialist organizing. The type of people that tend to get attracted to it tend to do dumb shit like this. Like, mm-hmm. like I, what I wanted to see was communism for normal people. What happens when people attracted to socialism try to do that? Like, I think it's, yeah, I think it's actually I don't want to see socialism for normal people. I just want to see like socialist organizations where everyone can just be a fucking adult. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yes. Yes. Right. See, here's the thing. That's that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Like, I don't mean you know for yeah, you can white be weird. You can be dudes. weird. Just you can be weird. Just you know, like, just be a fucking grown up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. No. Yeah. Like. Don't don't go, don't go here. Don't go there to cruise for trim. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't 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 try and like leverage in to have your little fucking moment when you're just like wasting time and interrupting. Um, if you don't know what is being voted on and you had opportunities to read about it ahead of time, don't fucking vote. Don't ask that it be read aloud. Okay? You didn't do the reading. You're lazy. Grow up. Alright, are we ever ready to talk famines? I f- I think it's time to grow up and talk about some famines. I um I also need to okay. get some water. I'm I'm you know my throat's just just um it's very dehydrated. Smoking that chronic yeah, oh, it's all it's all that, that chronic. It's all this defense of uh, it's all this salty. I'm just, I'm just being salty. I'm being salty about the DSA. You know what? I'm gl- I'm really glad that the DSA exists and that they're having some big old convention and that shit's kind of nuts. I'm kind of happy that I'm not involved with it, but 
But I'm also just mm-hmm. glad it's happening. Oh, I did like, my fucking time with these people. <laughs> I I think that I, I'm I'm less. Uh, look, I have hope about the proletariat, so I don't need to put hope in these people. I okay, did I say okay. hope? I did I say hope, Grant? Okay, Fair you're enough. cool. <laughs> like I I just here's think the, here's the thing though. I, I I've, think I've been here. I've been blackpilled on the climate, so I'm I'm kind of willing. I'm kind of you know, it's, it's getting late. You know, the bar's about to close. You yeah. know who who am I going home with here? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> well, but like, what if you're blackpilled? If you're greenpilled, okay, then how come? Yeah. Then what prevents you from going Ted? You know what I mean? Like, um, isn't the DSA that, part of the domesticated left that's trying to I mean, like you know going diffuse? Ted going Ted requires like engineering skills that I don't have. <laughs> um, it requires me to go live in a shack, and I oh, like having AC. No, that's, that's a good so, point. So, yeah, that's a good point. There's, there's a lot. Well, the other thing is like going Ted. I mean, just going Ted doesn't work. I mean, well, you know, I'm, yeah. I also, I, I also, you know, contrary to what people have maybe implemented at points in this podcast, I don't have like secret closeted trans tendencies. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I don't. That's not that's not a driver <laughs> for me. I'm all man. You <laughs> okay. Know? Okay, honey. Yeah. All right. Okay. Fair. Fair points. Fair points all around. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's me again. How you doing? So earlier in this episode, uh, a part of my argument hinged on cameras monitoring Jeffrey Epstein and those being broken, which, at the time, I was basing that on an internet rumor. And. There weren't actually cameras on Epstein specifically, but it has since come out that the cameras that were outside of his cell were basically found to be broken since then. I'm just going to pull up an article from Reuters here real quick. Two cameras that malfunctioned outside the jail cell where financier Jeffrey Epstein died as he awaited trial on sex trafficking charges have been sent to the FBI crime lab for examination, a law enforcement official told Reuters. Two cameras were within view of the Manhattan jail cell where he was found dead. A source earlier told Reuters two jail guards failed to follow procedure overnight or to make separate checks on all prisoners every 30 minutes. So, uh, yeah. Those are gonna be, they're going to be subject to uh, forensic analysis. I strongly doubt they will find anything of note. And uh, this will soon be filed down the memory hole. What are you going to do? Alright, so until next time. Keep your boots clean, your feet out of the swamp, and your head in the revolutionary clouds of tomorrow.